Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Curzon Podcast. This week we'll be tackling Laszlo Nima's award-winning Holocaust drama, Son of Saul. I'm Sam Howlett and as usual I'm joined by Jenna Hobbs. Hi Jenna. Hiya. And making her pod debut, Ursi Kaletzi. Hello. Have I pronounced your name right? Yes, absolutely. Excellent, good. Um, Ursi works with us in the Curzon. She's actually uh, a tier higher than us. So, uh, oh yeah. But... Any chance of a raise? No? <laughs> we'll talk later. We'll talk later. We'll talk okay. Later. Yeah. <laughs> so, as I mentioned, we're talking about Son of Saul, a completely different film than what we talked about last week. We talked about the very light and fluffy and jolly Florence Foster Jenkins. This week, we're going completely alien territory <laughs> compared to that. This film is very somber, quite dark, and yeah, it's about the Holocaust. So, it's not going to be a no walk in the park. No laughs this week, Sam. No, mm. no laughs at all. So um, this film stars Geza Rurig as the titular Saul, who is a Sonderkommando uh, in Auschwitz. And these were the people who would lead the prisoners into the gas chambers and then clean them up afterwards. Not the best job in the world. <laughs> Perhaps the worst job known to humanity of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, but amongst the bodies, he finds a boy and believes this to be his son. And he then proceeds to find a rabbi in order to give the boy a proper Jewish burial. But while this is going on, in the background, you have the daily horrors of the of the Holocaust in Auschwitz, as well as sort of there's a plan going on of an uprising. So a few weeks ago, we talked about Trumbo. And I know it's a completely different part of history, completely on a different scale. But we were saying that Trumbo, which was about sort of... Um, communist scare in Hollywood, the Hollywood 10, people are blacklisted. And me and Helen were saying, this is a kind of part of history that a lot of people don't know about, and it's so interesting to see it on film. The Holocaust is probably the most documented historical event of the 20th century, um, along with World War Two, You've got so many documentaries, accounts. Anne Frank's diary is one of the biggest selling books of all time. Mm-hmm. You've got the very public Nuremberg trials, and then in film, Schindler's List, Life is Beautiful, The Pianist. So my question is, what makes Son of Saul relevant and what, why is it different from other accounts of the Holocaust and other Holocaust films? Mm. Well, <clears throat> I mean, I didn't personally know anything about the Sonderkommandos. It's probably okay. a little bit of my own ignorance. Um, but that was truly heartbreaking for me to see yeah. on film. I don't think 
Oh, well, I don't know if it is on film in other places. Do you guys know that? I think there is one uh, film, but I, it completely escapes me. Uh, most of it are actually literary accounts. Mm. I think one of them done by Primo Levy, who was the, the Saved and the Drowned, I think it was called. I can't... Uh, the Drowned and the Saved, yeah. So most of it is actually literature. And also, <clears throat> I think it so tightly focuses on Saul, uh, this yeah. film, in comparison to other Holocaust films I've seen, where it's kind of the whole scope and the scale of how awful it was. Just focusing so tightly on one person's struggle through it, yeah. I think, made it all the more interesting. Definitely. And I think that's very much part of it. The actual the filmmaking here mm. is on show as yeah. well of the actual the subject matter, because the film's entirely in shallow focus, so only the foreground is mm-hmm. in focus, the rest of the background's completely blurry. Yeah, that's amazing, especially in the first shot. Yeah. It's, like, completely blurred. And then he gradually steps into mm. into view. Um, but, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a film where it's been like that the whole way through. And uh, we'll talk more about this in more details as we go along, but the camera's constantly moving. And so we said that the actor of Saul, Geza Rurig, uh, apologies if we've mispronounced your name, but... Um, <laughs> He's not only is he definitely in every scene, he's pretty much in every shot as well. Mm-hmm. And that must be quite difficult for an actor. Yeah, would you know he's not a professional yeah. actor? Yeah, okay. he's like, um, he's done a lot of studying about the Holocaust and he's a like writer, poet mm. and things. And he's so... written two books actually yeah. about the Holocaust and I think a collection of poetries as well as he, he stayed in Auschwitz for one year when he was mm. um, studying in Poland because I think since, uh, since 2001 he was... Uh, it's called a shomer in Yiddish, I'm assuming. Uh, he's a watchman or a custodian okay. in um, in a Jewish chapel in New York. That wow. Nemes found him. Oh, okay. As well, wow. so he's <clears throat> definitely invested yeah. in this he's story. He's bringing a lot of background into it, and I think mm. you can really yeah. see that in his face, because it's almost a wordless portrayal, yeah. isn't it? His journey through, very he very rarely speaks, but you're, the whole story is just told through his expression. His emotion, yeah. His emotion. There's very little dialogue as a whole, I think, mm. from a lot of the people in the film. Um, I also loved that he... You know nothing about him. Like, yeah. You don't know anything about his past. Mm. I mean, a lot of... in <clears throat> We're saying what's this different from other Holocaust films. I find, in general, Holocaust films are very... I've, there's an example from The Boy in the Striped Pyjamas with the... Um, there's the older prisoner, and he talks to the boy about, oh, I used to be a doctor. And in these films, a lot of them talk about, oh, I used to be this. This mm-hmm. None of them used to be anything. They're just mm. prisoners in Auschwitz. It's not about what they've lost. It's just about what they're currently yeah, experiencing. Yeah, what they've become. And yeah. I think most of them as well, like, if you if you look at their faces, and if you look at specifically Saul's face as well, it's ageless. I mean, you, yes. don't, you can never decide how old he is. Mm. If he's handsome or ugly, mm. or if he's, if he's smart even, or intellectual, there's, there's nothing. It's just a shell yeah. that you see. And there's all this almost catatonic expression. Yeah. yeah. Because even when he sees the boy in the surviving the Zyklon B inhalation, and then obviously very early on being uh, choked by one of the SS doctors... Oh, it's vacant. His yeah. face is completely like there's no there's no emotion that you can perceive. I think that's the thing. It's so numb. It's beyond emotion. The things that are happening are mm. so terrible that yeah. there aren't any tears left really amongst yes. these men. And yeah, it's all the more heartbreaking for that. Yeah, I think to an extent there's some parallels there with the Revenant in a weird way. Where because mm. I thought that Leonardo DiCaprio's character he's more of a character, I guess, than Saul, but he's still kind of. And any he could be anyone, mm. and it's easier for the audience to become that person, and to experience the things they're experiencing when they're more, um, more. There's less we know about them. Yeah, you it's can easier to project ourselves onto them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that's true here. But um, I think it's really important the um, 
the shallow focus in the film because as he wanders around the camp, you know there's stuff going on. Mm, you hear yeah. you hear screams and orders like um, it's like a mix of German, mm-hmm. Yiddish. You see naked skin yeah, all the time definitely. in the background as yeah. well. Yeah, it just but the focus but being yeah. on Saul, you just it's you in the periphery. It. Yeah. It's not unimportant, but when I was actually looking at the, I think it's the title card at the beginning where it says um, kind of what you should look out for, it just said mm. strong threat. And I was like, how are we watching a film in this yeah. nature? And the only thing that it says is strong, strong threat. threat. Yeah. Because you don't actually see any of the horror, Very little, really. Yeah. It's all just forming yeah. the backdrop. See, the fact, that, the fact that you don't see it as well, because I think it was, I was reading a more promote review about this as well mm-hmm. and he he made like an excellent point it's, it's almost a box because obviously mm-hmm. the ratio is four three yeah mm-hmm. and within that box you'd expect you you mostly see Saul like mm-hmm. he's he is in the foreground but the fact that everything is in the background and you hear it mm-hmm. as well and you kind of can distinguish figures kind of not but you most of it because sound is coming out and you hear doors uh, mm. closing, screams, uh, footsteps, and everything. It broadens your horizon even more. Mm. If you look mm-hmm. at something like Schindler's List, who, you know, had massive bunch of extras yes. that were meant to kind of symbolize the amount of people that were ki- that were mm-hmm. killed. Son of Saul has one guy mm-hmm. in front, like one Sunder Commando, and the rest of the victims are in the background. But because you can hear most of them, you understand the scale even better. Yeah. So the, the suffering is more expressionistic than it is explicit, which mm. I think is where yeah. the movie really hits home in many ways. Definitely, yeah. yeah. I think as well there's this whole thing of um, that a lot of people have been critical of Holocaust films in the past, that... The Holocaust cannot be captured. Like the horror of that, of what happened there, can never be shown and recreated. And it, well, oh, some people think it shouldn't either. Mm. And there's this whole thing of you should it be sensationalized, like what happens in those camps. And I think the film gets around that by not showing you. You just have, and it's the whole thing as well. Like what you don't see is always worse than what you do see, and what you ima- what you imagine is always worse. So, I think the opening scene is the perfect use of that, where. Saul is leading people to their deaths, leading people to the gas chamber, which I thought was quite um, a very bold statement from a Holocaust film mm. to open with a scene of people being killed in a gas chamber. Yeah. And he leads them in and you hear banging and screaming and then it cuts and then oh, yeah. he's the cleaning it. The horror of that yeah. was yeah. unbelievable. And just not seeing it, not even seeing the look yeah. on those people's faces. They think they're having a shower. Oh, and they hang up even their clothes. before, yeah, yeah the the lies that because the yeah. Sunder Commando have been accused of base of uh, being half victims, half yeah. murderers. Yeah, which Kesaro yeah. has explicit, well, kind of categorically stated, yeah. no, they are a hundred percent victims. But when you hear the German um, SS Commando saying, "Don't worry, like come to me personally after your shower. Yeah. just hang your clothes. You're going to find them again." And you see. The Sunder Commander going around helping them yeah. as well undress. You're like, oh my, I know what's coming. And then they take all their clothes off their face as soon as they're in the room. Like, right, get the clothes, and they they take the I mean, um the I possessions. I can't imagine and... what being a Sunder Commando would yeah. do to your state of mind. And I think that Saul's state of mind is significantly altered. Yeah. He's not a, a, like acting rationally at all no. throughout the process of the film, really. And mm, um, no. it's yeah. It's just a really interesting look at that position within a camp. They're the only people that really know the mm. truth of what's going on. Absolutely. And they know what's going to happen to them as well because they have a limited time yeah. as Sonder Commando. And I read that basically they exterminate the Sonder Commando and then the new Sonder Commando come in and mm. clear up the old Sonder Commando. Just, just, yeah, just the end of the cycle of violence. Mm. Yeah. yeah. 
And this is all before the title. Yeah. So that happens, yes. and then you get yes. Son of Saul, and it's like, whoa, you're in for a, yeah. some kind of ride. Um, so what did you think about the um, the actual plot of the film? So the, the main plot is he finds a boy who he believes to be his son, and he needs to find a rabbi to have a proper burial. What, what, what did you think about that? Why do you think that was relevant? Did it help the whole, uh, film represent the Holocaust in a way you haven't seen it before? Because for me, it was very much about um, just trying to hold on to something, something that you've mm-hmm. lost, like in his past life, Jews died, would have a proper Jewish burial mm-hmm. and he doesn't get that anymore. So it's just the sort of the effort to try and recreate his past and to hold on to something. Yeah, he's kind of, he's clinging on to a shred of humanity. Yeah. And I, I think, it, you know, it's misguided because as someone says to him during the film, you're caring more about the dead than the living yeah. people are dying for him trying yeah. to get this boy yeah. proper burial um and i think Saul turns and said we're already dead yeah. you know mm. they're between the two and yeah it's him kind of i think yeah that's very interesting him holding on to that one shred of humanity mm. of giving this boy a proper burial and not letting him be disrespected yeah I think that I think different prisoners have different coping mechanisms. Like the ones that are planning their escape, obviously cling on to freedom, whereas Saul himself doesn't much care about his own freedom because, like you said, they're in his mind they're already dead. Like they mm-hmm. they can't do anything to regain to sorry to rejoin society at this point. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the war is still going on, and interesting enough, we don't even know when. This was going on. We don't even know yeah. if it was the final year of the war or just the beginning of the concentration camps. Yeah. So they could be looking at a long, kind of, uh, a long way till the end. Mm-hmm. And his, like you're right, his burial of the boy is not just a threat of humanity. I think it's him clinging on to hope mm-hmm. that his job hasn't made him so numb mm-hmm. that a body is just a body. That a body is just a piece, which is mm. the word that they constantly yeah, use. Yeah. Wow. That was that was horrible. I don't know. Is that accurate? Is pieces the I actually don't know. Yeah. yeah. I, I imagine it would be. I think there's a yeah. lot of research going into this film. And mm. as you said, the actor of Saul knows a lot himself. And I think this isn't a film where they've just think, oh, yeah, that will die. I think there's so much yeah. thought and care put into this film. Um, there's a famous story I heard once about a woman who, I don't know if she escaped a concentration camp or was let free or something. And she was like obviously starving, so hungry. And she came across a farm and the farmer offered her pork. And she refused it because she's Jewish mm. and it's not kosher. Mm. And they said, why? Like, you've gone through so much. Why can't you do that? And she sort of said, oh, if I, you know, if I don't have my beliefs, what's left kind of thing. And I think that's the same thing with Saul. Like, if I don't hold on to this thing that's so sacred to me, then what's the point of still living? So that's really good. Uh, really nice way to bring about the whole Jewish aspect as mm-hmm. well. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, sorry to interrupt, but there's yeah. a lot of aspects in it that are very much taken out of uh the torah and the Mm. bible especially some of the inmates names like one of them is named abraham and also i thought it was interesting because abraham who is the leader of his command i can't remember i think often little facts like that are confusing because the whole the journey is so silent and because none of it makes sense what's going on i was going to ask you that was one of my questions were you ever confused about like titles and who was who yeah, Part, I actually and I thought was. partly because of the way it's filmed, mm-hmm. it's it's almost like 
found footage, shaky cam at mm-hmm. times. You don't ever get too clear a shot yeah. of anyone's face, even mm. when they're talking, because you're looking yeah. at Saul. So, yeah, I do think that the people around him become quite blurred, and you don't necessarily know who's who yeah, and I think what role they play. Yeah, I think yeah, Nemnis has said actually that one of his main his main focus during that film was actually to do lack of information, mm. limit your limit yeah. your intake of information, because that's what that's what a prisoner would be. He would know. He wouldn't know certain things, or he yeah. wouldn't know certain people, or you yeah. know, it, and, and you I'm have thinking, to always be in the dark. Like, arrival on the camp, you've got you're in Saul's position. You've got yeah. you've got to find out what's going on and learn yeah. your place quickly because it's that, or you don't make it. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. There's a scene where uh, he goes to the um, sort of female section, the women's quarters, and um, there's a woman he meets who gives him what he needs to get and um, she sort of attempts to hold his hand and he sort of snaps it away mm. I got from that that maybe was she a wife or a sister or former lover or something I think it I think it's hinted at that that's mm. what I got from it anyway I'm not sure because he only saw it once but yeah again it's ambiguous yeah. isn't it and I think it's yeah. kind of purposefully so you don't yeah. know it, it, it's clear that they have had some kind of relationship yeah. outside of this camp and to see him pull his hand away yeah. from her from human tenderness just yeah. shows you how far he's gone from Well, I think it adds to what we were saying, that he's not, we don't know anything about him, mm-hmm. but I think he doesn't know anything about himself anymore. Yeah. That this is his, he's not a husband or a wife anymore. Uh, you know, they're not husbands or wives anymore. These are just prisoners. Mm-hmm. And any, he just is so confused and just like, no, I can't, I can't be, have, have that life anymore. Yeah. See, it's kind of strange because I'm kind of, uh, I, I can't agree with your latter point, but not the first one, because I think the woman... Th- yes, you're right, there is, there is a sort of familiarity mm. between the two of them, but I think it's mostly the... Maybe it could be the woman trying to have some human contact mm. as well. Yeah. And really kind of forcing herself onto him. Yeah. Um, just because she is that desperate mm. to touch somebody else, yeah. uh, especially of the opposite sex yeah. as well. And... Saul, you're right, he is that far gone, mm. so numb and so kind of catatonic, expressionless that he kind of pulls away, mostly because he's like, no, I have I have something else, that you are not my salvation, this dead boy is my yeah. salvation, which is even more heartbreaking yeah. if you think about it, because again, it's the dead take priority over the living, so it's, he denies himself probably a primal urge mm. as well as a man. Mm. So, Ursi, you mentioned before we started that you rewatched Schindler's List and The Pianist mm-hmm. very recently. Yeah. How did they compare? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. To this film. 
Um, We've mentioned earlier a little bit about the word. We've used the word sensationalizing, and but yeah, how, what do you think? Uh, I think Schindler's List, as as much as I do, kind of marvel at mm. what Spielberg did, um, bringing it to the bringing the Holocaust to the mainstream yeah. in such a way. Uh, I felt that there's, and I think that's something that uh, Geza Rohrig said in an interview, um, there is a bad guy mm. and a good guy yeah. in that kind of movie. And at the end, there is a sense of liberation. There is a sense of freedom. And through through catharsis of violence, in the end, you come out with yeah. a positive note, especially when the Schindler yeah. Jews were liberated. And you get that end sequence where they, they all lay the stones on, on his... Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. And... In comparison, uh, Son of Saul just is not nihilistic to say that. Like it does give yeah. you some semblance of hope, but Nemesis doesn't want to trick you into thinking that there's good guys and bad guys, especially because he f- focuses on the Sonder Commando. Who were and you both? Nev- yeah, yeah, exactly. And if we look at the pianist, the pianist actually looking at it um, at one point, uh, Vladek Spielmann, who's Adrian Brody, who's yeah. the main character. Um, hides in a hides in Warsaw, uh, right in front of a hospital, and I think a police station. Yeah. And he watches the Warsaw uprising. Okay. And and he's only an observer, watches people dying on the street, and that kind of reminded me of Saul. Okay. Watching the uprising yeah. in Auschwitz and only being an observer, not really taking any part in it, because what he wants to do is take the rabbi that he's found right, yeah. and take the child and bury it, whereas the rest of them run to freedom, his main priority. So I think it was an interesting... Comparison. Comparison, yeah. yeah. And But the thing is, like, Lesno Nemes, he's what? He's 39 years old. Yeah. Steven Spielberg and Roman Polanski did, did those two movies well into their 50s or 60s, mm. I'm not quite sure. And to have his first movie... Yeah, it's yeah. an unbelievable that. debut. Instead, yeah. And it, well... Best foreign language film at the Oscars, uh, Grand Prix at Cannes, best uh, foreign language film at the Golden Globes. It's been rewarded. Yeah, 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 and justly, I think. Absolutely, yeah. There's one scene in that I really remember from The Pianist, which is when the Nazis like they make the Jews dance for them, mm. and there's a very similar scene in Saul. Yeah, and that's just the absolute humiliation yeah. and dehumanizing. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty horrendous. It's really, yeah. really, really hard to watch. That yeah, scene. Yes. it goes on for quite a while as well, doesn't it? Yeah, uncomfortably long. Yeah, yeah. it's just that kind of awful that is in your stomach, and yeah, yeah, just I want this to stop. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the fact that the camera is behind Saul as well, and you see the yeah. Sonder, the Sonder, the commanders, the SS yeah. guy grabbing him by the collar and dancing him along. I was like, and there's this moment in Saul's face where he realises to survive this incident, he has to pretend he's in on this joke with them yeah. and try and link arms and yeah. oh, just <gasps> horrible, awful, really awful, horrible. awful, awful. Yeah. Um, Jenny, you mentioned to me before we started that, because I was talking about the um, plot point of them sneaking in a camera yeah. to try and um, capture the horrors get them out to the outside world and show them what's really happening. Yeah. And you said that's that's true. So there were, Yeah, it's true. So there was obviously a faction of people who were clinging on to this idea of like revolting against the system yeah. and getting it out there and that there would be a saviour and that mm. they would survive. Um, and yes, they found a camera and they were taking photographs of what it was like in there because they knew that the outside world didn't know what was happening yeah. to mm. them. 
Um, and these photos are available on the internet. Okay. You can look them up and, and see them, and they're very similar to what they recreate okay. within the film. Yeah, it's all, and this whole kind of revolution that's in the, the mm. background of the film yeah. is also a real event that happened okay. in uh, October 1944. Excellent. There's also another, uh, because you reminded me, uh, at some point saw actually to kind of blackmail a prisoner to not say what he's mm. doing mm -hmm. with the, the boy. Yeah. Uh, says to him, I will tell the SS where you're buried, all your writings. Yeah. Yeah. about That's actually yeah. true. That's one of their main sources about the Sonderkommando oh, okay. experience. They're called the Auschwitz Scrolls, and right. they found them around the ovens as well, buried. Oof. So you can, I think you can also probably find them on the yeah. internet, although yeah. it's going to be a tough read. read. Yeah. This idea of the camera, I think, is quite um, telling of the whole filmmaking process, I think it can be only be captured by someone who was actually there mm -hmm. because this film I don't I mean it does attempt to recreate it but not in a sense of showing you everything as you mentioned mm -hmm. earlier I think the whole thing of the camera used as a weapon is quite interesting and that it, the only way they could do it was uh, someone actually inside there with a camera not trying to recreate it you need the real thing yeah which I think it goes what we're saying that um Schindler's List is kind of a sort of more black and white pick version, literally black and white, but also like good <laughs> yeah. and bad, this is what we think it might look like kind mm -hmm. of thing. Um, so before we move on to um, sort of discussing the third act stuff and the end of the films, anything you want to add? Yeah. To anyone that hasn't seen it. Can, about the soundtrack, which I think yeah. is amazing because there isn't really a soundtrack. Yeah, no non-digestic sound. Yeah. Just the noise of the camp and it's so harrowing just mm. to hear that and you're not you're not given this score to lull you into an emotional yeah. like catharsis an no emotional release. Release. I was no gonna say, Schindler's List is a very famous score yeah there's which is none a beautiful of that score, but it, this doesn't need it it's yeah. yeah it's not emotionally kind of exploitative in that way it doesn't try and make you feel anything mm. yeah. with music it just gives you the reality and yeah, yeah. it's incredible I think there's one scene actually with the radio mm -hmm. yeah, and in that the seems so alien section, and you're like what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I think hi one of the um best made films of the year so far. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. A tough yeah. watch but well worth it. Yeah, definitely yeah. worth it. And it it goes by quite like nicely. Yeah. It's not it doesn't feel long. Yeah. It's got quite a nice pace to it, considering yeah. it's quite a harrowing subject matter. It's, mm -hmm. it's quite pacey. It's... I think that's something to do with the way it's filmed as well, because yeah. you're constantly moving on this journey yeah. with Saul and he's never anywhere for too long. Yeah. Yeah, and you cut and I was I think I think by the time it was uh, in the middle of the film, it's like is this all? It seems like it's all one one, one take, mm. you know. It, yeah. just, it does have that feel. Sometimes yeah. it sometimes it cuts and you're like, okay, I can breathe a bit. Mm. Yeah. But then it's another four minutes of constant. Mm. You're like, you just ex by every time the camera cuts to a different scene, mm. you feel exhausted. Yeah. Because you feel like you're in on it, mm -hmm. and yeah, by by the end you're just wiped. <laughs> you are Absolutely, indeed. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I completely agree that this is so, you're, um, f for all, as harrowing as it is, it's so interesting mm. to see this on film. Mm. Um, and I think it is still relevant. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I think um, we always need to remember yeah, what it's happened. like. Yeah. yeah. And this is a perfect way to capture that with, yeah. with doing something new with it as well, mm. which is really impressive. And to also remember people that you don't necessarily think yeah, of like when you think. Commando. Yeah, like the Yeah. Okay, so now we're going to talk, if you haven't seen the film... Go out and see it, and then come back, listen to the last sort of ten minutes or so of the podcast. So, the whole uprising plot is so in the background for most of the film mm -hmm. that I kind of forgot about it. Yeah. For most of it. I was so um, involved with Saul 
and the corpse of the boy and how he's going to get that happen. And then suddenly they escape. It, and there's it a, happens, yeah. It happens and it's it's so like, it's like a thriller all of a sudden. It's so, there's there's gunfire, there's shouting and there's dogs. running. Dogs. Yeah, it's, it is like Explosions. a sort of, It's like a, a Bourne movie. Honestly, it, the camera's shaking everywhere and you're so involved and mm-hmm. they run through, you get to the forest. Um, how did, what did you think about that, the decision to actually show the escape? Well, I think, you know, on a purely personal level, you want to see that they can fight back and that they yeah. can get some semblance of their dignity back yeah. from these people. And although, obviously, it doesn't end well for them, mm. I think reading up as this was a true event, mm. um, they killed a few SS guards yeah. and hurt some and injured some and, yeah, and got a tiny bit of their own dignity. Yeah, got some of their life back yeah. Yeah. for a second there. Yeah. And then, naturally, he loses the body in the river. Which I think is not actually, he didn't really lose it because if you look at it, I mean, the river has a, like water in general has a yeah. very kind of spiritual, spiritual well, power. something of Moses in that I thought as well, the, yeah, the child and, in the river. Yeah. The... And then when he, when he, he, he buries it, not in the way he would, not in the way he would like, but in a mm. way he does let it go because he can't just swim back. Although yeah. you don't even know if he can swim because the way no, he's struggling, yeah. Yeah. is it the current? Yeah. Is it the way that he yeah, he, he doesn't just nearly drown at that yeah. point? Yeah. And then I thought the the most kind of telling point of the uh, his the funeral ending, his mourning kind of ending, is the rabbi taking him out. Not yeah. any other prisoner. It's the, the rabbi, rabbi. Yeah. saving him. Is he a rabbi? Well, the one that saves him. Oh. Was the, but, yeah, but the other... There's another one that so I don't think So he thinks he's found yeah. a rabbi. Mm. There's a really horrifying scene where, you know, they, they don't have the oven, uh, like the gas mm. chambers ready for the people coming. And so they just sort of execute them in this horrendous mm. yeah. um, kind of fire. You can't really tell what's going on, can mm, you? It's that's quite confusing. Gunshot, it's really yeah. confusing. And during it all, Saul thinks, this is my chance. One of these men is going to be a rabbi and I can get them out of this mm. situation. They can help me. And I think, you know... I think he's an opportunist, to be honest. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm a rabbi. Yeah, Yeah. this is how I'm going to get out of this. Because why wouldn't you? Yeah. And when he looks at him with that... Because you know that that there's a chance he might not be. Saul Mm. just flatly refuses to acknowledge that, even when the rest of the prisoners say, yeah, no, he's not, you know, and... When when you see that vacant face on that on the rabbis yeah. inverted commas, uh, on that guy's face when Saul nearly has the boy buried mm-hmm. and tells him to recite the Kaddish, Kaddish yeah. and then the guy just looks at him in a vacant like says yeah. two words and then Tries. looks at him and then you can see Saul going, oh no yeah this is yeah I messed this up completely yeah. this this man is not who yeah. Really, really sad. Your heart sinks yeah. when he realizes that. Yeah. It really so does. they um, they they manage to find like solitude in a, an abandoned barn. It seems like. And yeah. So this is all about... fact as well. Okay. I mean, obviously Saul's not a real yeah. character, but this is all fact. They escaped the um, camp yeah. and they sought refuge in a barn, okay. and mm. they were kind of escaped. Yeah. There's discussion as well of joining the Russians for a mm-hmm. while. We can join the the Russian army. Should be on its way. We should be able to join them. Mm-hmm. And then Saul, who's Never shown any interest in this rebellion whatsoever, really. Mm-hmm. He's all, it's all just been in the background for him as well as us, as I said mm-hmm. earlier, that he doesn't want to rebel. He doesn't really want to accept that he's in this situation, I think. Um, but he's there, not paying attention to anyone. And he sees that there's a boy that sort of appears, mm-hmm. and only he can yeah. see him. And there's sort of a sort of long close-up of Saul, kind of Ingmar Bergman style, really long, big close-up. 
And he smiles for the first time. Yeah, yeah. Why do you think he smiles? The first, and it's probably the first sign of emotion from yeah, Saul for the whole, the, the whole hour, 47 minutes. Honestly, I think it's, and that's, the pure, but I think he's so in his own way. I think he, I just buried this boy. Yeah. Not in the way that I wanted to, but I just did. And he sees a boy that maybe kind of resembles the one that yeah. he buried as well. So I'm thinking he just looks at him and is like, oh, you're at peace. Yeah. I'm at peace. Yeah. And that there is a happy life outside of what we've been yeah. in. And this boy mm. doesn't life is going really know what's yeah. going on. And he yes. will live yeah. and grow up hopefully in a time unlike this. Yeah, definitely. Um, when I first saw it, and because the boy, um, Saul's the sees the boy and the boy runs off and we follow the boy and the boy goes up. And as he runs around, there's an army waiting that mm. grabs the boy. And then the army runs in and shoots the um, escaped prisoners. And that's the first time you leave Saul, really, as well. Yeah. Mm. Do you th- I thought that it meant that the boy had spied for the army. That, like, the reason they sort of grabbed, like, they were mm. waiting there as if they've said to the boy, can you go there and sort of check kind of thing. I'm not sure. That's just oh, what I thought the first know. time. I thought, I thought that as though he was running off yeah. and you could hear the boots yeah, coming. Like, oh, but then I saw the way that the other soldier... Yeah. I thought that might have been Saul for a second and then I was like oh wait hang on (laughs) Um, but grabbed him and sort of kept him quiet and I thought you know maybe not maybe he's just caught in this crossfire of what's going on Mm. yeah because let's not forget Auschwitz the concentration camp was close to a town as well so he could very well be just Just taken in a stroll but then he does run away off into the distance to the sound of gunshots and doesn't really bat an eyelid But you can probably read that that he's just as numb as the prisoners. You know, the war has made this child just... Seven years or so by this point, so it's just, yeah. Normal. Yeah, and you said it there, Jenna, actually, that this is the first time we leave Saul, Mm. that we follow someone else. And the final shot, we don't even see Saul die, Mm. who we've been following for the whole thing. Mm. The final shot is the boy running off into the distance. What do you think they made that decision to have Saul for the whole film, but in the last moment, leave him? Well, I think it's... Well, that's when you do know Saul's journey's over then. As soon as the camera leaves Saul, you know you're never going back to him. And I think that was important, not to have this kind of... uh, Well, because the film's been numb, it's not Mm. been emotionally exploitative. I think to show Saul's death would defeat the object of it. Um, And I think it's much better to have that, like with all the violence in the film thus far, in the periphery, in the background. Mm. I think again it has you're right absolutely it would defeat the object of the movie and I think it has a nice I think that's the moment where the movie ironically as well I might add but the movie is somewhat uplifting mm, uh, absolutely. I hate to use that word I'm sure there's another more appropriate word to use but it's the child runs away but you're right soul's journey ended mm-hmm. he's outside yeah. he's not in the concentration camp he has done what he set out to do mm-hmm. and you leave him smiling you leave yeah. him with a sense of relief and i think showing his death would just dim uh, would um kind of reduce him again to just another one of those prisoners when he's so much more than that yeah. during the movie he's <coughs> he's regained his soul mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or at least a fragment of it. I'm not sure. And yeah. I think uh, the director said this film wasn't about survival. Yeah, I saw that quote yeah. as well. Yeah. It, it was about kind of humanity. And that's yeah. the resolution you see for Saul. And you're never going to see him survive. Hardly anyone survived. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see him being human, mm-hmm. which he hasn't been for much of the film. Really. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, any final thoughts before we wrap up? 
go and see the film. You've, if you're listening yeah, now, you've absolutely. probably seen the film. Um, yeah. And see it again. See it again. Keep supporting this kind of movie making. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, watch out for Las Onemas because yeah, if, if that's his first movie, I cannot wait yeah. to see. There's been a um, there's been a plethora of you know first time directors yeah. that have really made things like that, yeah. like Son of Saul and The Witch. So yeah. I think we're moving into a great kind of time for yeah. independent filmmaking with subjects that are tough to look at mm. and yeah. very kind and very um they 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 open your world well they they kind of try and open your perspective mm -hmm. a little bit more yeah. and uh try and broaden your horizons and i think that's fantastic yeah and there's great that people are still finding things to say about these historical events that are so like we think are so familiar to us now but then we see something like this and there's so much we actually don't know yeah. still still much to uncover so thank you for listening um, join us again next week and uh, also if you've got any questions for us we'll be uh, letting you know what film we'll be reviewing um, in the next few days uh, if you tweet us at Curzon Cinemas with hashtag Curzon Podcast and uh, if you like the podcast review us on iTunes thanks for listening see you next week bye, bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.